Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in! Duarte for three. Boom, baby! Anthony attacks Hibbert! Denies him at the rim! Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert! Skies high for the jam! Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket! Jackson turns, fires, and has... Bringing that smoke! Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands! Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. Hope you guys are staying warm at it as it is very cold outside. Lots of snow falling. We had some freezing rain the day before, but uh, with that being said, I'm here to bring on my guest, the one and only, not my guest, but he's my co-host, the one and only, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's up, brother? Man, from guest to the one and only, I don't know what to believe, but you know what? I'm happy to be here, <laughs> always you know, doing what I love most, talking Pacer basketball. Man, we had uh, we had quite the game last night. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a game that the Pacers were up by as many as like fifteen, uh, and then they ended up being outscored by fifteen uh, in the second half. So they ended up losing one nineteen to one eighteen. But Alex, a couple major takeaways from the game and the night. Let's go with the game. I would just say one play in Isaiah Jackson. Yeah, that really we ticked me off. Oh, the man we were looking forward to seeing the most get his second career start. Rolls his ankle, you know, truly the first play in, does not return. Um, that was very unfortunate. I have not unfortunate. seen Unfortunate? That's the Fachi curse. Yeah, right. And the, the curse, guys, is that I said, hey, guys, uh, what are we predicting for uh, Isaiah's stat line tonight? Therefore, I Every time you talk about a player on Twitter and get hyped up, that player always does bad or they get hurt. Talk I'm about telling a player you. every day on Twitter. I, not I, as much when they've had a good much. game. Come on, yeah, man. Okay. We we sure. all see it. You are sure. the there Fishing. is a Fachi curse here. There is a legit Fachi curse. We know it. You know it. You know, the, the first sign is denial. So I think we all are in agreement that the Fachi curse is a real thing. Alex put up a tweet saying, I can't wait to see Isaiah Jackson have an impactful performance tonight, which he did not. So therefore, you could easily say it's I also a included curse. Terry Taylor too in that. You were specific with just one player, and that player, Bubba Bum, went down. So I think the curse is on you, brother. All right. Anyway, uh, moving on to real things. Uh, Look, Terry Taylor, guy that you mentioned, and a guy who stepped up. I mean, Terry, what would we have even done without Terry Taylor last night? I mean, (laughs) 6'5", forced to to be truly the only big, I guess you could say. You know, on the team, the man responds. 26 points, 16 rebounds. He does it on 10 of 15 shooting. 
plays 37 minutes before fouling out. I mean, this guy, this is a diamond in the rough signing for the Pacers. Yeah, no, the Terry Taylor, man, this guy continues to impress. And I think one of the things I love about him is just his tenacity. Like he was really giving it to Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. too, like especially on the offensive glass and his ability to finish around the rim. I mean, we see why this guy was putting up legit numbers in the G League. Like I tweeted it last night. I said, this guy deserves a a roster spot on the 15-man roster now. They don't have to do it this year, but let's just say for some reason they were going to make the play-in game. You know, this is somebody I would want to have on my roster as a third center, you know, backup big, because he can provide that. Look, I don't think he should be taking Isaiah Jackson's minutes or uh, when healthy Miles Turner or DeMontis Sabonis' minutes, but this is a guy that when given an opportunity, you can rely on him. And I think as the years go on, you're going to see him be able to, you know, fit in maybe more at the four, not always playing the center position, but Man, I tell you what, uh, with him being the solo big, he did get a little bit winded there in the second quarter. We saw him have to come out, get a breather. This was a big, this was a big deal for him, and it's not like Orlando doesn't have decent big men. So, um, I I thought to myself, this is a really impressive kid. Twenty four points and sixteen rebounds, like you said, that is fantastic for a guy that's in his rookie season that doesn't hardly doesn't hardly have any playing experience in the NBA. So, um. Nothing more I can say about him than just what a heck of a performance. The best way to be ready is to stay ready. It's obvious that he did. And I don't even know where the Pacers would have been in that game without him. Another guy that was forced to play big who had a really good game, Toy Craig, technically yeah. the tallest guy on the roster yesterday at 6'7". Um, I mean, Tory, uh, he gave it his all. And, and I, I think that he's got to tip your hat to him. 22 points, does an 8 of 16 shooting. Um, I mean, just – kind of trying to play out of position, do something a little bit differently. I, I thought that Tory was uh, was a bright spot last night in a game mm-hmm. where there really wasn't that many bright spots. No, you're right. I mean, I thought Tory Craig, I mean, the three-point shot was falling too a little bit. I'm not sure what he finished with, but I was like, man, early Five in the of first, nine. Yeah, I was going to say, he shot pretty well. So, you know, Tory Craig is a, is a very talented player, and I think given more reps, obviously he's going to look better because right now the team needs him, but – with that being said, I, I would be surprised if he's not moved um, by the deadline. I think he just has a, a cheaper contract that's easy to move. I can see a lot of teams being interested in him. Obviously, Phoenix used him as their small ball five at times last year, so he has that capability. He's a really solid defender. You know, not great at anything, I guess you could say, but he's just really solid all the way around. And so I like Tory Craig. I see why they brought him in here, but unfortunately with how everything's gone, it's just like – not really given the opportunity that I think um, the, the Pacers expected. Him being more of a role player on a playoff team, he's kind of had to do a lot more than what they brought him in here for, and that just always happens with this injury-prone team. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I thought yesterday was a perfect showcase game for other teams to say, hey, this guy does actually bring a, bring something unique to the table, you know, if needed to play that small ball five. But, I mean, also just a, a big-bodied wing that can defend like Torrey. And also, it's, an, it's always um, – an extra when you can add in that three-point shot. So, you know, five threes last night was a career high for him. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit before, but Karis LeVert, he was a negative seven in, in the game, plus minus. Uh, it just shows that despite having 26 points, sometimes it's just not the best fit on the floor. So that's one guy that, you know, I actually would be surprised if he is still with the Pacers uh, past the deadline. But we are going to get into – that and much more later on we bring on uh, one of our guests. Alex, you want to tell uh, everybody we have planned for today? 
Yeah, so I, I think, you know, we, we, we will have Michael Scotto on from Hoops Hype. Um, does a great job covering the NBA, and he has so much information for you guys on our next segment. So you guys are going to really enjoy that. And then after that, we're going to end the show talking a little bit about some minor trades that could be had here with Justin Holiday, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Lamb, and some of those guys that are on that, you know, that, that cheaper scale. They're not going to be worth as much, not as sexy of the names like some of the starters, but I think these guys could be interesting to talk about. But before we bring on Michael Scotto, I want to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Lance Stevenson, Fachi. It is official. No more 10-day contracts. No more contract uh, hardship contracts with COVID. Lance Stevenson is officially a member of the Indiana Pacers for the rest of the season. How are you feeling about that? I love it. It had to happen because, look, not only is he a fan favorite, but Lance played well. I mean, like, just flat out, it's like he was deserving of being signed through the rest of the year. I mean, in Lance's time with the Pacers in the 17 games this season, he's averaging 9.4 points on 48% shooting from the field. I mean, that's just – you can't you can't complain about that one bit. He's averaging over four assists. I feel like he's been a positive influence on the team. And I just feel like there, when before Lance got signed, this fan base was actually dying. Like, they were going into hiding. It was like, I cannot watch this team anymore. And he's brought excitement back. Every, every comment from him is all about being happy to play in front of the fans in Indiana, and, and I love that. And I, I really do feel like he's been a great addition to the team. Now, we haven't really heard much of the specifics on the deal other than it's through the year. Were you surprised to hear that maybe there's no team option for next year? Not really. I mean, if you look at it, some of the guys that we've talked about the last couple of podcasts that have looked really impressive are Dwayne Washington Jr., and Terry Taylor, and those guys are on two-way contracts, so they can only be on those for one more year. They could be potentially on the 15-man roster, which mean which means more than likely uh, you're looking at Kiefer Sykes and or Lance Stevenson being one of the odd men out there. So, you know, I, I think with Lance, it's, um, you know, Rick Carlisle, he was asked about it after the game last night. They said, do you think Lance will be kept here for the rest of the season? And he said, I hope so. So I, I think that you have, you know, Rick Carlisle is in, in Lance's corner. I think Kevin Pritchard probably has seen the, the growth, the maturity of Lance Stevenson from his previous stint here. So we'll see how they go about doing it. I just I feel like he might not necessarily be the locker room leader that we want, but he can be an on-court leader that I think this team needs. And we've talked about it before, his off-court stuff in terms of um, just being more of a cheerleader on the sidelines. He's been a really good cheerleader, encouraging some of these young guys when they've gotten the call and he's not been given the opportunity, especially looking at some of the games specifically that I'm thinking of as the Golden State game. So I I really like what we've seen from Lance since he's come back. And I know that he's not like a great player. He's not a game changer. We talked about that. He is not going to change the trajectory of the team just because talent-wise, it's just not – it's just not there for him like it once was 10 years ago. But I think that he's a good third-string point guard. I think that you have seen from him that he can be really positive, had some really good moments, and keep teams in it. So just a, just a really important player. And one thing I really like about Lance, you hardly see him on the injury report. Even going back to when he played in the early 2010s, he was very rarely on there at all. So if you can get a guy on your roster that's steady, that's there all the time, and that brings that fun and infectious energy, why wouldn't you keep him, Fudge? Exactly. He's got it, and man, the fan base's feathers would have been ruffled 
if Lance was let go, because at this point, like I said, look, obviously he means a lot to the team, but his play has backed up being deserving of a roster spot. So it's not like we're doing any charity work here or anything just to say, Hey, let's just get the guy signed just to keep the fans happy. No, yeah. he's been impactful. Just had 14 and six last night. Yeah, no, you're not, there's no doubt about it. And I thought he played well actually against the, uh, the Clippers too. So uh, he really got that fourth quarter started off for him and, I think he has some pretty good on-court presence and, and chemistry with Dwayne Washington Jr. For some reason, it's like he knows where his sniper's at at all times. So it's like he's ready to pass to him and he's ready to make that cross-court pass. There's obviously times he makes some silly mistakes and you can be like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? But he usually makes it up. So the fans absolutely love him. Nothing makes me smile more than when I'm watching the game or I'm at a game and he's walking to the scorer's table and you just hear an uproar from the crowd because they love Lance. So Give the Pacer fans something to cheer about, something to be excited about outside of the rookies. They love Lance. Lance loves them. Let's keep this marriage going, at least for the rest of the year and potentially uh, in the next season. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Bacha. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to bring on the insider from Hoopside, Michael Scotto, right after this. All right, everybody, joining us now on Setting the Pace. He's no stranger to any NBA fan. He is Michael Scotto from Hoops Hype. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, fellas, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Certainly, Indiana is going to be uh, one of the most talked about <laughs> teams in the uh, NBA when it comes to the trade deadline. So happy to join you and uh, uh, hello to your listeners as well. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it then. So there's been a lot of reports since December 15th or December 7th, whenever that report came out from The Athletic, from Bob Kravitz and Sham Sharania talking about the Pacers entering a rebuild. And so we've been talking at nauseum about it here on the podcast because fans are so eager. But as we're swiftly approaching, um, I, I guess, what is the latest buzz you're hearing right now in terms of the players that are most likely to be moved or have been mentioned to move? Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, and recently Justin Holiday. Yeah, I mean, so you touched on the guys I've also reported on Hoops Hype. So originally before Turner got hurt, Miles Turner, they were hoping to get uh, at least two first-round picks for him. I think now since the injury that has uh, made teams a little bit more cautious, I would expect Indiana to, uh, if they can, release a medical update to some teams out there that are interested in him closer to the trade deadline to give them the most up-to-date info. Um, maybe quell any concerns the teams would have for trading for Miles. Um, personally, I like Miles Turner. Um, really good. Uh, obviously, the league's top shot blocker. I know a lot of people think of Rudy Gobert, but uh, Miles had it before he got hurt in terms of total and uh, blocks per game. But um, so that was that was where it was at on Miles. I think ideally they would still like to keep that parameter the same as far as a trade framework if they can get it. Um, it might be a little bit tougher, though, now. So we'll see if he ends up staying or not. Uh, regards to DeMontis Sabonis, I have reported on Hoops Hype that uh, Indiana would like to get a Nikola Vucevic type of package. Um, so for those that may have forgotten, when Orlando traded him to Chicago, they got two first-round picks. They got Wendell Carter, who was a lottery pick, and uh, an expiring contract, I believe, was an Otto Porter. So with that in mind, it's like you can, you can in a way, think of that as three first-round picks if you'd like because uh, Wendell Carter was certainly that. But um, I think if it was, you know, multiple first-rounders and, and a nice young guy with some salary filler, um, Indiana would look at that, even though they do like Sabonis the most. Uh, you asked me about Justin Holiday. I had reported on him also being available for uh, two second-round picks if Indiana can get it. Um, you know, Justin Holiday is a guy that has shot, I believe, 
38, 39% during his time from three point range with Indiana. Um, you know, teams, he's at a modest salary. It's not too much. I think it's like in the six, seven range, a uh, million dollars. So with that in mind, uh, it fits for a lot of teams when it comes to trades. That's why I always like, you would see a guy like Doug McDermott, for example, get moved a lot because his salary was tradable, um, not too high, not too low, just right where you can aggregate it or in a bigger package, or you can just trade it uh, one for one. So um, those guys, I mean, certainly Jeremy Lamb is available. Um, you know, I think that uh, any team looking to maybe shed some salary could look at a guy like that. I'm curious to see what they do with TJ Warren as well. Um, you know, unfortunately for TJ, he's been out for a while. And, um, you know, we saw him at, at his peak at the bubble and unfortunately hasn't really had a chance to get back to that because of injuries. So I'm curious if the team looks at him as a guy that could take a, a swing on and and maybe find uh, some, you know, a, a, I don't want to say a diamond in the rough, but um, find a little something in the bottle there. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think if there was anybody else that really stuck out to me on Indiana, but I think, uh, you know, Malcolm Brogdon can't be traded because uh, of his extension. I think, I think most people are aware of that, but just in case that's a CBA rule thing. Um, I, if they do blow it up and kind of do what Orlando did last year, I think you need to look at Malcolm Brogdon over the summer as a guy that also would be a, a high trade candidate as well. If they, if those dominoes fall into place, certainly hasn't been the year that Indiana thought it would be going in when they hired Rick Carlisle as coach. No, it definitely hasn't. And I know when you mentioned, you know, you were looking for another name. I mean, Michael, we just went through half the roster. It sounds like they're available. So, you know, everybody is expecting the Pacers to be sellers. However, for certain players, the market isn't where we want it to be. For instance, the Miles Turner stress reaction injury in his foot. Do you think the Pacers are willing to settle for less than the two first-round picks that that you mentioned? Because I just don't think those two first-round picks are out there. Are out there. So I'm wondering, what do you think maybe the least is that they would settle for for moving Turner? Well, I think in that uh, instance, I think you have a good uh, thought on his market, Mike. I would say for me. When I'm looking at Miles, that Indiana, if they were going to move him maybe for a first and a decent young player, maybe then that can move the needle for them. Um, and they would have to have some salary filler to make it work. Um, but ultimately, I don't think there's a, you necessarily have to move him, that there's a rush. He's still young. Um, and in that regard, I think Sabonis has more trade value. Um, I wonder if you're Indiana, if you can get a team like Sacramento, for example, that's really essentially desperate to make a, a real move here to kind of change the course of their franchise. They've struggled for so long and missed the playoffs, you know, adding a, a two-time all-star like Sabonis could really help them out, but they would have to give up a lot, obviously to get them. But I think that's where you have to look. Um, and, and I think you asked me one other part of the question, forgive me. No, it was just basically saying that, you know, I don't think the two first round picks are there. So what would it take for them to to settle on a deal for Turner's? That was essentially it. Yeah, I think if it was a first and a really good young player instead of just two first round picks straight up. Um, but now, you know, again, when I say that, like the definition of a good young player for each team is different. You know, like Indiana certainly values Chris Duarte. Yep. Does every other team value him as much because he's older? No. Not to say that they don't value him, but it's a different it's a different scale. So for me, I think that's uh, one of the things that you have to look at for sure when it comes to, especially for a guy like Miles Turner. Um, you know, Miles likes Indiana. Um, I I've gotten no sense that um, 
you know, he doesn't. So it's not like a guy necessarily asking to be out. His name has been in trade rumors, it seems like, for what, three years, four years now? Um, and he's dealt with it well. Um, I do think, as he touched on, uh, you know, previously, and I, I've had him on the Hoops High podcast as well, can he fill a bigger role for a team? Absolutely. I think he has that ability. I think he can score the ball more. Um, you know, his rebounding kind of is what it is, but his shot blocking uh, is the reason why. Um, and his ability to stretch the floor. Um, he's the type of center that most teams want in today's modern NBA. I do think he's still going to have value. Um, even if he doesn't, you know, play that much, you know, the rest of the season, depending on how his uh, injury heals with his foot or not, I still think he's going to have a uh, decent value when it comes to Indiana. They don't have to make the move now if they don't want to. Yeah, it'll be interesting because obviously he's an expiring contract next season. So entering the draft and in the offseason, he would be that he would be an expiring contract. And I think the long-term goal from what I've heard is that Miles Turner wants to sign an extension with whatever team he is traded to if he is dealt. So with that being said, we've heard a lot of rumors out there about Dallas, possibly Toronto, mostly Charlotte and New York, but Portland came up a couple of weeks ago as a real you know, serious contender for Turner or, or interest in Turner. And I'm curious if Turner to Portland could make more sense now because of them going into what would be called a little bit of a retool as Damian Lillard is recovering from this injury, they wouldn't necessarily be as scared off by this minor injury that I think Jake Fisher reported it yesterday, uh, said that it looks like he could be ready to go by the all-star break or the return of the all-star break. So just curious your thoughts on that and um, what other teams maybe that I missed out could have interest in miles. I think specifically let's start with Portland. So for Portland, I think, uh, First off, are you gonna if you're in Indiana, are you gonna take back Yusuf Nurkic and have him as an expiring contract, and then you build around that? What other assets are you gonna get? I don't think you're gonna be able to get Anthony Simons from Portland for him there. Um, you know, Nasir Little got hurt, so I think that would be a questionable guy. That like maybe th does that similarly change the dynamic from Indiana's standpoint? Um, I think yeah, he, he could fit there. You know, you touched on um, the Knicks, Charlotte. Um, and which other two teams did you mention? I said Toronto and Dallas. Okay, so, well, Dallas certainly a Texas kid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that'd be a really great fit. And, I mean, what would be interesting is him and Porzingis together, they used to share uh, the same agent back in the day and uh, Andy Miller, ironically. So, I think that would be interesting. I think he would like uh, Texas from a, you know, going home kind of standpoint, play to Texas for college. Uh, Texas University and then you look at I, I just wonder then like that would have to be like I don't know maybe a Jalen Brunson kind of sign and trade thing after the year potentially I you know if you're going to hypothetically go down that road I would assume you know maybe a, I don't know there's a Maxi Kleber fit that you know there's a lot of hypotheticals there um, you touched on the New York Knicks as well um, Toronto and Charlotte so let's start with the Knicks um, you know, I think a lot of that comes down to Mitch Robinson's future. Would they do a trade there with Indiana, maybe looking to keep him long term? Um, you know, like just thinking logically and hypothetically, of course, um, how would that shape out? Um, I think Miles would fit New York's timeline uh, because of his age. Uh, you touch on Toronto. Toronto has certainly scoured the market looking for a big man. Um, you know, Robert Williams got mentioned. Uh, they touched on like, you know, other guys as well. Um, I think if you're Toronto, 
they've got a lot of intriguing young pieces. They've got like OGN and OB you could move and some other guys. I'd be interested to see uh, where Indiana feels on, on him from like a salary and a player perspective. And the last team you touched on was Charlotte. So I, me personally, I've always thought a team like Charlotte of all the teams that we've touched on could really use miles Turner yeah. defensively for his shot blocking ability, ability to shoot the three uh, pick and roll lob threat with LaMelo ball would be thrilling. Um, I think of all those teams, that uh, have been mentioned for Miles Charlotte would be a great fit. I, you know, from a draft pick perspective, I think they can get it done. I don't know if they have, I don't know, like if Indiana's app, what Indiana's appetite would be for PJ Washington, for example. And like, if they needed a salary filler, like Mason Plumley, for example. You know, one player that we mentioned that probably most likely to be on the move doesn't maybe, you know, due to the reason of Duarte's emergence, as well as the direction of the team, Karis LeVert, we've heard LeVert rumors being matched with Cleveland left and right, but not really hearing another team in there. That seems at least like a serious rumor. Are there any other teams that LeVert could be linked to over the next week? Yeah, I mean, Dallas got kind of linked to him a little bit there. I, You know, I don't know if maybe they thought they could, you know, but you had Tim Hardaway Jr. there. Now he got hurt. Um, could there have been something there? I don't know. It's kind of tough to look at it now after the Hardaway injury. I have always thought Cleveland made the most sense for Karis LeVert. I had reported um, a couple things on that. One, with Karis LeVert that Indiana wanted uh, a first-round pick and a really good young player. I know that some people have put out there that they want two first-round picks. Folks, I'm here to tell you that's pretty much the same thing. Uh, number two, uh, in terms of Karis LeVert with Cleveland, so they've got Ricky Rubio's expiring contract. If, you know, Indiana doesn't want to take on a salary. They've got at least one first-round pick that they could give up. Um, Cleveland is more than open to moving their first-round pick. They've got plenty of young players. They are trying to continue to make the playoffs with this young core that they have. Um, I think then afterward, that's where it gets tricky. Can they get something better than that elsewhere? You know, like Another team that has a similar package like that now is Utah because Joe Ingles is hurt, but they've got a first round pick they can dangle as well. So what would separate that for a team like Cleveland? Do you give up maybe a Dylan Windler, um, a guy like that that maybe you take a chance on, a guy that was a, a decent pick that has struggled with injuries, but maybe he finds a, a bigger role somewhere and, and could thrive. Does that move the needle? Um, you know, I don't think Cleveland would move Isaac Okoro in that type of a trade possibility for Karis Levert for Pacer fans thinking. I think they feel that would be a little much. Would they give multiple first round picks? I think that also would be tough. You know, I don't I, they're also in the market Cleveland for Eric Gordon as well. Um, and I don't know if they even want to give up that first round pick for Gordon. I think they'd rather do multiple seconds to get him. Um, you know, and, and there's a bunch of shooting guards on the market. Um, you know, but you've got the Buddy Heels of the world. You know, I, I literally just let me like go through the list. Actually, I just had this conversation with an executive earlier today. You know, you've got you've got Gary Harris, Terrence Ross. You've got Eric Gordon, Evan Fournier, Karis Silver, uh, Buddy Heald, Dante DiVincenzo, C.J. McCollum, Norman Powell. I can go on. You know, it's it's there's plenty of guys out there yeah. in that spot. So if you're Indiana, yeah, you might want. You know, Karras has certainly really good value there, but is he the guy that is going to be the number one guy? 
beauty's in the eye of the beholder, folks. Um, I think if they can get a first, I think if they can get a first and a really good young player, do it. I'd yeah. sign right now. I would. <laughs> and if not, and if you can get just the first, depending on what it is, if you can get, I don't know, a pick in the 16 to 20 range for Levert. I'm in. Yeah. That's kind of where Cleveland it. is right now. I, yeah, it's interesting, you know, because, I mean, we've we've had some people on from Cleveland to kind of talk about a Levert uh, trade there. And, and one of the, the guys we had on last week said that Levert to the Cavs is like the best kept secret in the, you know, NBA in terms of, you know, potentially that happening. And so we dangled the idea of a core out there and, and, and he said that he would do it if that were him. So I think that kind of got me a little bit excited to think about a Coro because offensively we know a Coro does have some limitations and, and carriers can fill that void, especially if the Pacers were possibly able to attach a Justin holiday well, I, to that. I busted uh, that bubble a little bit. You did. So I'm, I'm curious now, um, are there any players out there that you've heard the Pacers have interest in? Um, you know, the only one I've really heard so far is like potentially Jeremy Grant from Detroit. So uh, we've talked a lot about players that could be traded from our end, but what about the Pacers? You know, Jeremy Grant, like to me, doesn't fit. If they're going to rebuild, they don't fit the timeline, but they like Joe Harris on the Nets. Um, again, I don't know if Joe fits their timeline either. If they want to rebuild, Joe's, mm-hmm. I think, late 20s now. So you have to weigh that. In the end, first of all, got to figure out what they want. But guys, no, it's more, it's not like guys that they're quote unquote targeting. It's like, what's the best available package that Indiana Pacers can get for Turner, Sabonis, Lavert, Holiday, uh, the water boy. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> the naming rights to, to the arena. I mean, everything's up for grabs right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, really. I, that that's exactly what it is. At least from what I've heard, I, I haven't heard anybody specific that they were trying to lock on, lock in on, and acquire. But a lot of that stuff again is because you're looking at draft picks and future assets. That's not yep. that's that's just stuff down the line. It's not a specific guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which also should tell you kind of where they're leaning towards. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You talked about a rebuild like Orlando. The Pacers, you know, front office, they'll never do it. They want they, they pride themselves on being that constant playoff team. How can we, you know, slap a Band-Aid on it right now and get right back out there in, in the eighth seed playing tournament? So if you're the Pacers front office and you haven't had a single-digit pick in over 30 years, are you finally changing your stance and prioritizing draft picks? Or are you sticking to the model, hey, we want young players – they can help us win now or, you know, a way to just try and get back to 500 and winning ways. Me personally, I'd, I'd blow it up like fireworks on the 4th of I July, would. but that's just me. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you're not going to be like the Milwaukee Bucks found – Giannis Antetokounmpo out of nowhere. That rarely happens. The Paul Georges of the world, you know, Indiana got him. Great guy. But rarely does that happen in that 10 to 15 range. You know, well, then again, Denver got Michael Porter Jr. and Justin Robinson was picked ahead of him. 
So you never know, but it's less likely. You know, the year that, for example, I'll give you an example. Milwaukee one year thought that they were going to compete and do that and try to be like a fringe playoff team and ended up with the number two pick in Jabari Parker. Now, that didn't work out, but the process of realizing like, hey, you know what, at a certain point, maybe you wanted to try to compete, but didn't happen. Yeah, then you then you got to go. And I think if your pace is management – Look at what the Magic did. They've all got extensions now, like Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, because like, oh, we're, we're, we're rebuilding. Look at what we did. And it's like you could sell that to an owner. I think if you're, if you're like Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan and those guys, what are you selling on this team right now is like an immediate um, we're getting back to the playoffs. What, what move is out there right now that's going to do that? I don't. I don't necessarily see it. I think they've underwhelmed, and uh, it's been a disappointing season from Indiana, especially after you hire. First off, you hire Rick Carlisle. You're thinking you certainly made a coaching upgrade there, in all due respect compared to Nate Bjorkman. Uh, Rick's been a championship-level coach. That, that It's just the reality of the situation. It, hasn't, it has not panned out. Now, you've had injuries. You've had COVID. I understand there's context to that. The bottom line is the bottom line. It's been underwhelming. You can use that then and shift gears and retool, which is what GM Mike Scott would do. But yeah. I'm not pushing the buttons in Indiana. I'm just the guy reporting on what they're doing. Yeah, and it's been interesting because I'm sure you've heard about, you know, Herb Simon talking to those five reporters here at after all this stuff came out and basically said, we're not going to tear it down like Oklahoma City or Orlando. I want to mm-hmm. rebuild on the fly. He said Donnie Walsh did it. Larry Bird did it. And I think Kevin Pritchard can do it. So Love Donnie Walsh, by the way, did a great job. Shout out to Donnie and a very (laughs) nice gentleman. Always enjoyed um, speaking with him. Just wanted to give a shout out. Sorry. No, it's okay. We we love Donnie Walsh too here. And I think he officially retired this past year from being a consultant with the Pacers, but he still had a bit of a a bit of a comment there or whatever you want to call it, um, a connection there in the, in the Carlisle hiring. So, you know, as my last question here, you know, we've, We've not heard, we've heard the asking price for Sabonis, obviously, is very high, um, mm-hmm. you know, but in, in regards to moving on from DeMontis Sabonis, what team out there, you mentioned Sacramento earlier, are there any teams that can really give the Pacers exactly what they want in regards to a Vucevic type of package? Because I don't think the Wizards can do it. They've been the team linked to him the most especially with their draft picks not being all there because they owe so many or whatever. I'm just not sure what other team makes sense. So if you could maybe help me out there, that'd be great. In theory, I preface that because I know anytime I speak, I usually get (laughs) aggregated a lot. Oh, you will. (laughs) In theory, uh, Sacramento is a team I look at with DeMontis Sabonis that has the pieces that um, they would look at, I think, Theoretically, the New Orleans Pelicans could do something if they wanted to. I don't think they necessarily have a need for them, but like they could. Uh, a team like Oklahoma City certainly has the assets to do it if they wanted to kind of spur the rebuild a little bit. Not sure they're going to do that, though. I think it's tough. I really I look at like Sacramento as the team that has a mix of desperation in terms of trying to improve um, not only the standings this year, but their, their future outlook. Um, as the team that I think would make the most sense to really try to go all in and push the chips in the center of the table for a, 
a guy that's been a two-time all-star like that. And I think because what you saw, what happened with Chicago, once they got Vucevic to pair with, um, you know, Zach Levine at the time, you know, Sacramento's got De'Aaron Fox, they got Tyrese Halliburton, they like that backcourt, Davion Mitchell as well. Sabonis, yeah, Sabonis to that, you know, that's an upgrade over Rashawn Holmes. Um, Marvin Bagley hasn't panned out. So I think you've got all the ingredients in the pot of stew to stir it up. Uh, you know, uh, for example, my mom uses filet mignon and uh, not stew meat. A little bit of inside info there that could help as well. Um, but that would be that Sacramento. I just think, Alex, to your question, I really just think like Sacramento is the team that I have my eye on when it comes to Sabonis gotcha. because of all those factors that I outlined. 15-plus years of a playoff drought for Sacramento, so they are looking at, you know, end that. Um, and then OKC, like you mentioned, at one point they have to make a move. They are they have too many first-round picks coming their way to really fit into that roster, but I don't, I don't see them making that type of splash yet. Um, so I would just say for my last question, who are a few of the teams that you think to be the top buyers and then a couple of teams that you think are the top sellers at the deadline? Let's see. If I had to peg it, and I don't want to forget any teams, so I'm going to go through my notes. I would say, let's start with the sellers. I consider Orlando a seller, obviously, with Terrence Ross, Gary Harris. Um, I think Robin Lopez would be an intriguing backup option for teams around the league. Um, the Detroit Pistons, certainly, I look at because of Jeremy Grant. Um Kelly Olenek's not on a bad deal. I, I could see that as a possibility. Indiana, Sellers. Um, we've talked for a while, so, you know, see the whole podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the Knicks – I think the Knicks could move one of their guards to try to create more time for Cam Reddish, just trade the first-round pick for him. They're going to want him to play. He hasn't done so yet. Um, the Wizards, I think, are buyers, uh, certainly. I, you know, I had touched on it, and I think uh, Jake Fisher as well did on Bleacher Report, but I had touched on it on the podcast uh, the night before and then in the morning in the transcript that, um, you know, there's a sense around the league that they're going to go after either Jeremy Grant or DeMontis Sabonis to try to keep Bradley Beal happy, so I would consider them a buyer. Atlanta... I don't know if I would call them buyer. They're neutral. They've got a lot of trade chatter around them. Uh, the Celtics, I look to move off of Dennis Schroeder because that's going to be very tough to re-sign him because of their uh, CBA rules. Um, so that's a guy I look at. I think Marcus Smart's name is going to pop up there in trade talks. Toronto, I look for Toronto to be a buyer in terms of looking for a center and uh, possibly a stretch four. Uh, Charlotte, I see Charlotte. I could see Charlotte as a, a buyer while also trying to move off P.J. Washington. The Nets are certainly going to do some digging out there, but I think the Nets are more of a buyout contender team, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. On the buyout market. Uh, Cleveland, I see as a buyer. Um, getting off Rubio in a first-round pick, they're going to shop that package. The Bucks, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are fine. I mean, maybe you see Dante DiVincenzo get moved, if anything, but I think they're fine. Philly, I don't see Ben Simmons getting moved right now, so I think they're in a holding pattern. Miami, I see is in a holding pattern. Chicago, pretty much the same. I mean, you know, I touched on maybe they could get Dennis Schroeder for Troy Brown in a second-round pick. Um, 
time will tell. In the West, Houston, seller. Uh, Eric Gordon, highest bidder. Um, Daniel Tice, I had reported they wanted to get multiple second round picks for him. Uh, you know, Alex, uh, his, he just lit up like a, a Christmas tree when I said that. I, I guess no, that, I'm just surprised. I just, that's a terrible contract. I mean, I don't think Tice is that good, but. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Tice, Tice, I'll say this Tice on a good team would look a lot better. Like when he was that's with the true. Celtics, when he was on the Celtics, he did a lot of the dirty work and made them a really good team. Great locker room guy as well. Uh, does a lot of the dirty work, screen assists, things like that. Uh, the Thunder are going to be um, taking in bad contracts to get to the salary floor. They're 23 they million below. Um, you know, so look for them to be a contract absorber. I don't know if that makes them a buyer, but okay. Uh, Sacramento uh, certainly trying to be a – well, they're trying to sell off, you know, Buddy Heald. Harrison Barnes is available. Um, they definitely want to make an upgrade, so – also, like a buyer, they they have a little bit of both there. Uh, the Spurs, I don't see much. Uh, Pelicans, buyers, reported on that. You know, people were in my mentions when I said about Eric Gordon. Well, guess what? Brian Winhorse said it too. So, told you. Uh, <laughs> no, they got some other guys as well. They're looking at. They've looked at Barnes. They've looked at Robert Covington. I touched on as well. Um, the Trailblazers. I see ultimately a seller for Robert Covington, but not too much of a seller because they've got to keep Dame happy and try to extend him as well and, you know, retool, we'll call it. Uh, the Lakers, buyers, but – What? I don't know what, like t- – like, I don't know what Taylor Horton, Tucker, Kendrick, none of the first is getting them. Like, that yeah. package is pretty much out there for anybody. Um, you know, Kendrick, none – him not playing has really hurt them more than people think. Um, it's the longest bone bruise I've ever seen. Completely um, agree there. Not the one Clippers, game played yet. Yeah, the Clippers, um, you know, they can move off of Bledsoe, Abaka, Justice Winslow, um, you know, for future assets if a team wants to try to get an upgrade now. Minnesota, relatively neutral. Denver, Touched on them getting Bryn Forbes the day before it happened. It happened. That brought a little smile to my face. Um, <laughs> and I don't really see them doing overly a ton. Um, Dallas Mavericks. A lot of people are inquiring about Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson. You know, a lot of people think that they're going to have to move one of those guys because of luxury tax implications. Uh, my rebuttal to that is they could keep them and do a sign and trade with uh, maybe one of them. Uh, this offseason, or, you know, both, but time will tell. I don't think they need to move them yet. Uh, Utah Jazz, buyers, Danny Ainge was brought there to make a trade. He was not brought there to sit on his hands. Yeah. Um, the Joe Ingles trade hurt them a little bit, but it doesn't mean they're not going to shop him still with the first-round pick because it's an expiring contract. Yeah. Uh, Memphis, status quo. Golden State, pretty much status quo. Uh, but buyout. Team to keep an eye on. Uh, Phoenix Suns, Jalen Smith. Did they move him? Can I get something for him? Showed something. Um, you know, it's ironic. They didn't offer him, uh, they declined his rookie scale option. And ironically, that could bite them a little bit. But even though he played well, like he 
still hasn't gotten like a ton of minutes there. So it all uh, evens out there. And folks, that is how the cookie crumbles, as they say. <laughs> awesome stuff, Michael. We, Michael, we appreciate it. And uh, you guys can follow Michael Scotto on Twitter at Mike, A-S-C-O-T-T-O Scotto. And he just did a great exclusive here with Michael Beasley as well. That was really interesting. So check that out. And of course, uh, next week, we're probably going to be hearing some more updated news as we get closer to the deadline. So you want to be following Michael and his podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it and hope you have a good one. You got it, guys. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Always great stuff from Michael Scott. I really enjoy his podcast. So make sure you guys go check that out. But Fachi, I, uh, I came up with some trade ideas for some of our role players. And so how we're going to do this is I came up with the trades. You're going to tell me your thoughts on them if you think they make sense for either team. And I'm going to explain why I did it. So First trade here, it's one that I already kind of sent to you, but it's Torrey Craig and Jeremy Lamb to the Utah Jazz for the expiring contract of Joe Ingles and then Jared Butler, a second-round pick that just won a championship with Baylor and that Davion Mitchell team. I really am doing this to get off Joe uh, to get off the contract of Torrey Craig for next year, and, and obviously Lamb and Ingles are expiring, and then acquiring a young player that I could have uh, – you know, some future potential in, in, and maybe seeing what he could be. So Jared Butler is a guy that a lot of people coveted. I just, I just think he could make some sense long-term with this team as a third string point guard. So this was, this was Craig and Lamb or? Yeah. or Craig okay, and yeah. Lamb. Sorry if I said the wrong thing. I apologize. Craig and Lamb for Joe Ingles and Jared Butler. You know, I would do it because here's the thing. Look, Lamb, you need him off the team, whether it's a buyout or a trade, just because we need to open up playing time. And then for Craig, the Pacers had great intentions with Toy Craig, but Toy Craig fits a team that's trying to win, that a team that's a playoff team. He's only going to have one more year after this year. Uh, the Joe Ingles contract, it's expiring, so I don't expect Joe Ingles to be back. But Jared Butler is a player who at one point was looking like a first-round pick. I believe he slid to the second. I yeah, second-round pick. Yeah. He's on a cheaper deal. so He's on, he's on a cheaper deal, but he was also uh, one of the, the most outstanding players for the, the Final Four. I believe he was oh, yeah. that, that guy. So Jared Butler, it, it's a talented young player over there. Essentially, Pacers shed salary, and they bring in a young player. I'm all for it in a deal where in – in a year where we're trying to, you know, kind of get some people off the books. Does it make sense for the Jazz? It does make sense for the Jazz because we know the Jazz are trying to win now. That That's what it is. Their team is built to, to try and go for it. They were the one seed last year. Didn't work out. You lose Joe Ingles, that's a massive blow to the Jazz. So you get another score in a Jeremy Lamb. You get a defender in Toy Craig, a guy who, you know, can also score if called upon, but uh, more of a 3 and D, you know, big body wing defender that I think fits the, what the Jazz are looking to do. Yeah, I would like Torrey Craig actually in, in Utah with that group, especially if you have him out there with Conley, uh, you know, Gobert, Mitchell, and Bogdanovich. I kind of like it. Um, but anyway, moving on, my next one here, I'm sending Justin Holiday to play with his brother in Milwaukee, and I'm I'm giving the Pacers or, or Milwaukee the option of either giving us Pat Connaughton or Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, seems like DiVincenzo is more likely available than Connaughton. I think Connaughton, to me, I like him better as a player overall, but DiVincenzo – uh, expiring contract that could be uh, hitting the market for a restricted free agency. I know he'll want to get paid. So um, this is another one where you're giving up a veteran for a young guy that you potentially see that could maybe bring some promise to the Pacers. All right. So this was, this was Justin holiday. And was it also Jeremy Lamb or was it just, Justin nope, just Justin to Milwaukee okay. for either Pat Connaughton or Dante DiVincenzo. I'll let you pick. DiVincenzo probably has more upside. I know he's he's coming off of an injury, so I feel like this is a down year for him. 
Pat Connaughton is, is a, I feel like a, a good player that fits a lot of teams. So, uh, you know, I might be more interested in Pat Connaughton. He's got another year on the deal to see, see how he, you know, fits this Pacers team moving forward. This is a guy who's shooting 40% from three. He's averaging over 10 points per game. I mean, I, I think he's just a, a good overall player. Um, so I think Milwaukee definitely does that deal. Justin Holiday, I feel like is, uh, you know, not to say like a P.J. Tucker type of player that, that, that they lost, but he's a guy that can defend well and hit threes. So I feel like he could be uh, that type of addition they're looking for. Yeah, Justin's definitely not the defender that Tucker no. is, but he's a way better three-point shooter. I, I think that DiVincenzo probably could be had here more than Connaughton because if you remember last year, you know, DiVincenzo got hurt and Connaughton really stepped up. He did. And uh, I think that they value Connaughton a little bit more. And DiVincenzo obviously was a part of that Bogdanovich trade that got nixed uh, between the Kings and the Bucks. So, you know, interesting stuff there. But I, I would just love for Holiday to be able to go play with his brother and potentially uh, get a championship. And it wouldn't be too far away from Indiana. So still in that uh, Midwestern, uh, you know, area right there. But uh, my next one here, we're going to Minnesota. And we're going to acquire Torian Prince and Josh Akogi. For Tory Craig and Jeremy Lamb, Torian Prince has a $13 million expiring. Akogi, I believe he has two years left, including this year on his deal. Uh, but I think it's just a bit cheaper than Tory Craig's. And then, of course, uh, Jeremy Lamb and Prince are just the expirings there. So, yeah, I mean, in your in your opinion, is this just solely a dump because it's like, you know. Pretty much. I mean, I'm, I like Akogi as a wing defender. He doesn't have any offensive game, but he can provide quite a bit of good wing defense he's a much cheaper option than trying to go out there and maybe give up some stuff to get better defenders but i think potentially this could make some sense i mean more it's not my favorite of the ones that i have but it's interesting to me so far it's my least favorite because i feel like the pacers aren't really bringing back talent here that, yeah. that they can work with so it's more of a basically being like hey you know to take our guys and so in this situation i would need maybe you know can we throw in? Is there is there any second round picks that are available over here? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sort? sure there are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's possible. Well, let's move on to this one. I think you might like this one better. Um, it's going to be Tory Craig, Jeremy Lamb, and a second round pick to Chicago for Derek Jones Jr. His expiring contract and Kobe White. Yeah, the, the, this this I'm in on because Kobe White, make no mistake about it, did not reach what his expectations were, his potential. He hasn't met it yet. And I feel like right now they're kind of moving in, not to say a different direction, but I feel like you added Alex Caruso. I mean, you have two really good, you know, guards over there and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. And DeRozan can play multiple positions. But Kobe White, I feel like, seems like the odd man out moving forward. Um, I feel like if the Pacers can roll the dice on a player like him, that that could be someone that you could say, okay, hey, you know what? We're going to have an opening at point guard. It's not solidified behind Brogdon or how long Brogdon will be there. And Derek Jones Jr., I've liked him in the past. I have. I know it's expiring. I don't know if the Pacers would look to re-sign him, but I feel like this is a trade where you're actually bringing back some talent, and this I'm for. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Jeremy Lamb can be a veteran guard for them if they need him, but I think Ayodosunmu's, you know, recent elevation there from Illinois, I think he's their backup point guard moving forward. And I really, with Patrick Williams going down and Jeremy Grant maybe being too expensive, I think this is a backup plan for that, getting Torrey Craig, because I think Craig actually could make a whole lot of sense with Chicago playing that foursome. I mean, he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He's been with a bunch of different teams that have a lot of depth. So I think that Craig would be really interesting there. And then, you know, Derek Jones Jr., I'm not the biggest fan of him. I think he's okay. 
Um, but I like the idea of Kobe White, just giving him a chance, even though I'm not the biggest Kobe White fan. Um, he's a young player. And so, you know, not previous lottery pick, right? I think he's yep. seventh overall. So that's why I'm intrigued. But um, now we're going to get a little bit bigger here. So this is Justin Holiday, Torrey Craig, and Jeremy Lamb. They're all going to Toronto for Goran Dragic and his expiring $19 million, Malachi Flynn, and a second round pick. Hmm. All right. So, I mean, this, this, this solves some needs over here. I mean, if the Pacers can unload three players right over here, I mean, Gordon Drogic, does he even. He's a buyout. You buy him. That's exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. My reference was going to be, does he actually put a Pacer Jersey on? No. So, yeah. So he's bought out over there. Malachi Flynn, you got, um, you know, I don't know how much is there. I mean, he's, he's a former, you know, first round pick. Yeah. But. I don't he's know. kind of he's kind of lost in the rotation there with Toronto, so maybe you're taking a risk on him. And then this really just frees up a ton of cap space for the next offseason, um, you know. And, and depending on what you do with Turner and Lavert in this situation, being able to shed Justin and Tories about eleven million dollars for the next season could be really enticing if you're looking to make a, a move, whether it's a, a lopsided trade or or sign a player. Yeah, so here's the thing. We, we, we All of a sudden, the next question is going to be, what are we going to do with that money? Because I don't know who's coming, but I, I like the, the fact of being able to clean up this rotation because yeah. it, it enables our young guys to be able to get in there. Man, if this could somehow be a scenario where the Pacers do get, say, two second-round picks or something like that, then, yeah. then I feel like the deal got a lot sweeter. Yeah, no, it makes – it makes some sense to me. So I got two more for you. We'll go through them real quick. Uh, you'll probably like this one, too. I got Jeremy Lamb and Guga Batadze going to San Antonio. This was your trade, I think, from a while ago for Thaddeus Young. Oh, wow. I mean, look, this just sounds like we're, we're getting the band back together at this point, <laughs> you know, with Lance coming back and Thad and you, know, you still got Domas and, and Turner on the roster. So you mentioned this. This was Jeremy Lamb, and was it was it Craig? No, Goga. Get Goga oh, off Go-Go. this team. Oh, yeah, Give sorry. him a chance to play backup center in in San Antonio. They could use a little bit more depth at center, I believe. Um, and then Thaddeus Young, once again, fourteen million dollar expiring contract. So uh, if you see my theme here, that's what I'm going for. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not yeah. signing. You know, here's the thing. We're selling too low on Goga there. Oh, stop. Come we on. are because no, that, young, that young comes here for, for what? Uh, you know, a, a, a retirement party in terms of just saying, hey, one last hurrah. And then, uh, then you could do it. a sign and trade in the offseason. I think you'd get more out of a sign and trade for him than you would with Goga trading his $5 million. Yeah, Come on, Goga. Goga. Oh, my goodness. Come on. You, I, you I got think, so excited about one good Goga game against the no, Warriors. No, he's talk- actually – when he's played, he's actually been good. Uh, Dad Young he's at this okay. point. If, if we were a winning team in, in like, playoff mode or something, bringing on Thad Young, yeah, that makes more sense. The I future think- is DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner at the starting position and Isaiah Jackson. And yeah. Goga Batadze is not part of the future. I don't think you can really sell high on him because if you look at what he's done in three years, he's not done much. And you're bringing back Thad Young. Look, he will help with your veteran stuff. You could potentially re-sign him the next year as a vet, someone that, like he's doing now, he wants to play. So maybe you play him some backup for and let him be a vet, or you do a sign-and-trade and and get him to a team where he can be impactful and get something back out of it. You're going to get more for him, I think, long-term than you would Goga. I don't know. Thad Young's value is very much down. Love me some Thad Young, but in a sign and trade, <laughs> I don't know what you're getting other than maybe a trade exception 
Um, So I would just say, look, hey, if you got to move Goga, move Goga. But can you bring back at least a player that's going to potentially play for us moving forward or, you know, two second round picks? No, you're not. If you're not going to get two second round picks for Justin, why would you get two for Goga? Who said we can't get two second round picks for Justin? Uh, well, if that's what we're getting. We're not getting the same value for Goga. Yeah, these are your trades. I, I think in the NBA, I think there's some trades out there that could definitely get you two second round picks for Justin Holiday. No, I'm saying for Goga. I'm saying if Justin yeah. can get two second round picks, oh yeah, there's no way Goga's got the same value as Justin Holiday in the league. There's zero, there's yeah. zero chance of that. No, definitely not. But it's still a, a, <laughs> a young player that that we have not done anything to help at all. No. So I think I think that's more on us than it is Goga. It's definitely mutual, but at the same point, make no mistake, the Pacers did nothing to really put Goga in position to succeed. So I just think if you're gonna if you're gonna trade him, I'm I'm fine with that. But you better be bringing back at least one player that can at least just do something for us. Other than, hey, guys, look, that Young's back. I hope we can sell some tickets for uh, that. We're spending too much time on years. this. Oh, my gosh. I'm moving on. We got we got spent too much time on that. Um, last one here for you. I This is the, this is the basic one, and I think some people that have, uh, I've talked to have brought it up, so it's another steal one. But uh, Torrey Craig to the Suns reunited with that team for Jalen Smith, a guy that they have given up on too quick. And I think this could be a guy that can play the four or the five, but more so the five. I think he could be a nice third string center. Uh, someone I think has more potential than, than Gogo Batanze. Hey, look, uh, position wise, it, it'll complicate a lot, but at the same point, uh, this is a type of trade that I would definitely do. Jalen Smith, you're talking about the 10th overall pick from 2020. I mean, I feel like he never really got to, you know, Phoenix, when they picked him, they did not expect to all of a sudden take off as much as they did. Yeah. But all of a sudden, they became a contender. What felt like overnight when they traded for Chris Paul, and I feel like Jalen Smith's, you know, development uh, took a bit of a hit as that from that. But this is a trade that I would make ten out of ten times because yeah. Jalen Smith, you could roll the dice on him, and I do think that he can get significantly better. Now it would be a definitely you know a big cluster down there at the four and five, but I feel like. You could figure that out in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, if you trade Turner, you trade Lavert, you trade Goga, I mean, then you need a third-string center, I think. And, of course, always injuries can happen. So just just having a talent in there that could potentially do something. Or maybe you kind of um, reuse that talent or, or, or revamp that talent, whatever the correct word is here, and um, maybe you can flip him later. But with that being said, I mean – uh, there's obviously more trade ideas that could be thrown out there. These are just quick ones that I came up with. So if you guys have any minor trade ideas, send them to us at setting the pace three on Twitter. But Fachi, um, that wraps up today's show. Pretty good one, pretty lengthy one, lots of trade stuff. So trade talk Thursday for a wrap. This will be our last one before the trade deadline. So we'll uh, be back next week to talk about all that. But where can the people find us on social media? All right, so you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're excited that the Pacers ended up getting a loss last night, getting them closer to a better pick in the NBA draft for the opportunity to draft Jaden Ivey, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Peace out, Pacer Nation.